to deal with all of the sort of unfinished relations that he had um, with people in, in Mecca. And we know the story that is in the uh, is in the house and the Horesh, this is like the night of the long knives. They're looking in through the window and they can see a figure and they think it's him. In his green Yemeni cloak. And he's lying down, but actually, of course, it's, it's Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib, who has taken his place. And the Holy Prophet leaves, and of course, this is, this is a miracle. This is one of the miracles of the Seerah. The Quraysh are out there with the knives, but he takes some dust and casts it over their heads as he recites the verses from uh, Surat uh, Yasin that uh, we have created uh, a barrier behind you and a barrier before them and we have veiled them so that they do not see. So they do not see. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his holy prophet permission to make his, his, his hijrah. He gives Abu Bakr the news that he's going to migrate with him. So they leave, and of course they go to Abu Bakr's house, and they leave by the back window, and they go in the depths of night to the cave on the mountain, Mount Thawr. And here, one of the most heroic events, really, in, in the Sira is where they are cared for, catered for, because they're three days in the cave, uh, fleeing from, hiding from, the, the horsemen of Quraysh. And they are being looked after by this great, amazing woman, you can learn so much from reading the seerah, and the ulama always insist on reading the seerah, understanding the seerah, getting the blessings from the seerah. So this great woman is Asma bin Abi Bakr. Asma, the daughter of Abu Bakr. We often don't know so much about her, but, but we should. We think Aisha is the daughter of Abu Bakr. Asma is her older sister. Older scholars say by about 10 years. And she's uh, Abu Bakr's daughter by an older wife, or Taylor bin Abdul Uzza, and they were divorced in the Jahiliyyah. But uh, Asma is uh, a, a faithful Muslim, and she is the one who brings those provisions to the Holy Prophet and Abu Bakr in the cave. And this is why she gets in Islam her name, Zad al Nitaqain, the woman with the two belts or the two girdles. And the meaning of this is that in order to disguise the fact that she was taking food and water to them and walking through the streets of Mecca and everybody watching, underneath her garment she had a second belt on which was hanging the, the, the containers for the provisions that she, was, uh, that she was taking. So we have this heroine woman risking her life, risking her honor, risking everything in order to support uh, the Holy Prophet Sallallahu uh, and her father Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. And it's interesting to note what a great woman she was, what an amazing woman she was. Uh, that uh, she was married to Az Zubayr ibn Awam, who was one of the great Sahaba, one of the first to convert. She's also one of the first to, to, to enter Islam. And he's a real hero and real warrior who attends all of the Mabaldi, all of the battles with the Holy Prophet. And uh, later on, there's an amazing event that happens with her just after the Hijrah that really shows what extraordinary people these were. That she is there as a Muslim, of course, and her husband has arrived and they only have the horse that he's come with. They left everything else behind, money, wealth, you name it, they just have the horse. <coughs> and 
because they have nothing, the only way she can feed the horse is to get date stones and to get them ground, to grind them herself and to feed the kind of flour that results to the horse. That's how <coughs> destitute they are. And then, of course, the Sira moves on and there's Badr and, and, and the battles and the conflict with Quraysh is very intense. And then this extraordinary thing happens that her mother comes to Medina, Qutayla bin Abdel Oza. She's still a pagan and she's coming to the city of Medina because she wants to visit her daughter. She's got some gifts for her. She's got some dried cheese and some uh, dates and a few spices and things. And this presents a problem because, after all, there's a war on. The Muslims are at war with the people of Mecca who are trying to obliterate them and obliterate the new religion. And so, uh, Asma is not sure what to do. Should she engage with this woman, who's her mother, idolater, uh, and from the other side? And so she goes, uh, she asks Aisha, her half-sister, to go to the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to... Uh, uh, to ask him what really they should do. And the Holy Prophet وسلم, on this occasion, this great uh, ayah is, is sent down. And it's really a beautiful revelation of the, the meaning of the meaning of the Siran, the, the meaning of, of the transformation that the Holy Prophet وسلم, is bringing, bringing Allah does not forbid you to have good relations with those who have not fought against you and those who have not driven you out of your homes, uh, to have good relations with them and to deal with them justly, and Allah loves those who are just. And so she welcomes her mother, and she is uh, a good daughter. This is an important principle, because uh, nowadays, unfortunately, there's this revival of what you might call the Jahili ethic. In the Jahiliya, before Islam, the Arabs thought, somebody from the other tribe knocks off somebody from my tribe, I'll knock off somebody from their tribe. This is Tatar, this is Vendetta, this is the tit-for-tat ethos of the wild Bedouin tribes. But now, Allah, through the Holy Prophet وسلم, is turning that upside down. Because now it's only those who are responsible for crimes who are responsible for crimes. And non-competents are now a category. This is really the invention of the idea of the non-competent. This woman is not responsible for what the warriors of Quraysh are doing. And therefore, um, there's no reason why one cannot accommodate her and deal justly with her. And this is a very important principle to understand, especially in our times when so many ugly things are happening and people are, in the name of Islam, killing aid workers and diplomats and journalists and so forth. All of this is completely alien to the way of the Salaf and the way of these, this extraordinary um, early, early generation. But, uh, and of course, uh, Asma also, the kind of feisty woman, we think of her in the context of the famous hadith of the hijab, uh, but remember that she's also very much an outdoor person. So the great battle, which is six years after the, the death of the Holy Prophet, the, the, the Battle of Yarmouk, one of the great battles in human history, uh, she ties her reins to the reins of her husband's horse, and they go into the battle together. This is the great titanic, one of the most significant battles in human history. And they are tied you know, together, horse to horse, so that they, uh, 
neither of them will retreat. And this is the, the strength of uh, Anha. And she had eight children. One of them is Aura ibn Zubayr, who is one of the great masters of, of, of hadith narration, Radiallahu Anhu wa Arda. So we have this, this extraordinary personality at the beginning of the Hijrah. But the Holy Prophet comes, alayhi salatu salam, and he finds the Jews fasting on a particular day. And it's the day of, of Ashura, the 10th of Muharram. And he said, وَلَئِنْ بَقِيتُ إِلَىٰ قَابِلْ لَأَسُرَنَّ For hadith is, this, he was told, this is the day on which Allah saved Moses. And he says, if I am given to live until the next year, I will also fast the ninth day. And so it becomes the tradition of Islam, and uh, the Hebrew is Ashur, the uh, Syriac Ashura, and in Islam it's Ashura, and it's a kind of shared tradition. Now, what we also find at this time is that the Holy Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is in this Exodus event. The Hijra is like the Exodus of Islam. Uh, Allah has rescued the Israelites from the clutches of Pharaoh and brought them to the miracle of the Promised Land, through their righteousness and their tawheed. But this is a new hijra, this is a new migration. And this looks a little bit like the old one, but it's different. Egypt to Palestine turns out not to be like Mecca to Medina. Now, we know that the first one was uh, characterized by the defiant stubbornness, the tekabur of Fir'aun and his people, despite the fact that they were given sign after sign after sign, uh, evident signs, clear miracles, each time they became stubborn and they refused to let the Israelites go. وَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الطُّوفَانَ وَالْجَرَادَ وَالْقُمَّلَ وَالْبَطَارِعَ وَالْدَّمَ آيَاتٍ مُفَصَّلَاتٍ فَاسْتَكْبَرُوا وَكَانُوا قَوْمًا مُجْرِمِينَ Allah said, and we sent against them the flood and the locusts and the, the, the fleas and the frogs and the blood as clear, clear signs, ayatin mufassalat, but they were proud and arrogant, and they were people who were criminals, people who were transgressing the, the bounds. And then, of course, the crossing of the Red Sea and the complete ghark, the complete drowning and destruction of Fir'aun and his army. Uh, that's a, an extraordinary chastisement, and Allah delivers his chosen people from those people with this, you know, here he is, al-Jabbar, al-Muntaqim, al-Qahar, terrifying divine names. The Holy Prophet comes to, comes to Medina and uh, looking back on the earlier prophetic history, we see a difference. He sent mercy to the worlds. And he is sent to complete the noble qualities of character. And he is he is mercy that is given. So we see in another earlier dispensation, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam uh, is in the narrative of uh, Matthew's Gospel. Uh, Pilate is washing his hands of the affair because he can't see what's wrong with him. And according to the Gospel writers, the scribes and the Pharisees um, are baying out and saying, ah, uh, may his blood be upon us and our children if, uh, if he is guilty if he is innocent. And this is uh, the blood curse. And on a certain imagination, that is, as it were, the way in which that religion started to, started to break free of the, 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 the paradigm, the original matrix of it. Now, of course, that's not our story. 
we don't believe in the blood curse, we don't believe in the crucifixion, we don't believe that the Jews were ever punished and sent out as the wandering Jew and all of these anti-Semitic stereotypes. Um, that's not part of our i'tiqad because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an that they didn't kill him and they didn't crucify him. So for us, there's no blood curse. Uh, they are Ahlul Kitab, they are people of, of the book. Now, when we look at the story of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa we sent rahmatil alamin, we find that his migration, his movement, is accompanied by an extraordinary style of mercy. So, we sometimes think of this thing that he says, uh, where he says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma tiqawmi fa innahum la ya'lamun. Oh Allah, guide my people because they do not know. Where does he say this? Actually, he said it several times in the seerah. He said that on the day of the conquest of Mecca, when he's releasing people, Ithabu fa'antumu al-tulaqa' Go, you are free. And the, the, the forgiveness is melts all of the hearts. But he also said it, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one day in the Mecca period, where somebody hits him hard, which really means in Arabic, like, not just drew blood, but the bone was exposed. His, his face was really hit hard. And the Holy Prophet makes this dua, and he says, O oh Allah, forgive my people, for they do not know. And another occasion is in the famous um, uh, tragic, it's in the year of sadness, uh, tragic event whereby he goes to call the people of Ta'if to Islam, and they set their children on him and they throw stones and he's thrown out and scorned and rejected and he sits beneath the tree and we have this beautiful, beautiful dua that's given and here again he says Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Oh Allah, forgive my people for they do not know This is a nature, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and there isn't to be a catastrophe So in the hadith we're told that at that moment the angel Jibreel brings Malik al-Jibal the angel of the mountains who said, Ya Muhammad, O oh Muhammad, if you wish, I can bring the mountain to destroy those people. These people have cursed you, these pagans have thrown you out. But the Holy Prophet وسلم, prefers to ask for Allah's forgiveness for them. And this is really a beautiful aspect of, of the seerah and something that we should uh, always, always recall. So in all of these things, there's lessons for us. It happened a long, long time ago, but it's something that is entirely relevant to us. As we embark upon the month of Muharram, which is one of Al-Ashur al-Hurram, one of the sacred months, we need to remember this. We need to remember these amazing people, that extraordinary transformation, and that the religion of Islam is a religion of mercy, a religion of charity, a religion of hospitality, a religion of forgiveness. In all of these key events of the Holy Prophet's life, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we find forgiveness of the Hijrah is a reminder to us all of this great principle of of, of forgiveness. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to melt the hearts of the Muslims everywhere, to melt the hearts of all humanity, to help us to come together in mutual respect and mutual benefit, inshallah, in this dark age, this materialistic age, that we may once again experience the joy that comes from the, the embrace of pure tawheed and the iqtisat, the following the footsteps of the Blessed Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Aqulu qawlihada wa astaghfirullah ali wa lakum wa lisa'il al-muslimin innahu huwa al-ghafurul rahim. الحمد لله رب العالمين ولي المتقين مكال الظالمين أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الملك الحق المبين محمد رسول الله صادق الوعد الأمين 
تصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله فإنه خير الزاد وإياكم ومحتثات الأمور فكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة